Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock I find in life you can't let people get away with bullshit, okay? You, you just can't do that. And when I watched her in the fancy dress that probably wasn't so fancy, come up, I said, what's she doing? We won. That was uh, Donald Trump's victory speech last night. He was wondering why Nikki Haley went out. Awfully early, by the way, she went out and did her version of a, what he said, victory speech, despite losing by double digits. She went out on stage when she was only losing by like 7%. Right. With a very small amount of the vote in, she thought, hot damn, this is my time. Yeah, well, she thought, I better get on and get off because I'm going to get boat raced. And that's ended up what happening. By the way, Allison, did you have to bleep the president there? Like when I it ran did. when I it did. ran live last night, we ran it live, uh, and I had to dump them, and what an honor! <laughs> <laughs> so we thought it would be oh. a much larger margin of victory, uh, but there's a reason why Nikki Haley, who still lost by double digits, feels like this was a moral win. There's a reason why that number wasn't 20, 21, 22 percentage points. And it was that 70% of Nikki Haley's votes were from undeclared voters in the GOP primary, which is fancy talk for folks that hate Donald Trump that are really going to vote for Joe Biden, but just said they were Republicans to spite him. Now, this isn't a number that we're making up. This was on CNN. This was on camera. It was also on MSNBC. They had some exit polling about what voters were saying after they cast their ballot in New Hampshire. And again, listen to the numbers of a Republican primary. We asked folks coming into the polls, do you identify as a Republican? Do you identify as a a Democrat? Or do you identify as an independent? And here's what we found in this exit poll so far. And I think this jumps right out at you. A minority of voters in this first wave of the exit poll in the Republican primary identify as Republicans. A majority, 53%, identify as either independents, 45%, or... And this is a high number historically. 8% identify as Democrats. For some context here, in 2016, the last competitive Republican primary, presidential primary in New Hampshire, the electorate was 55% Republican. It was 42% independent, and it was 3% Democratic. Mm. So in this initial wave, you're seeing some significant differences from 2016. So a lot of numbers throwing at us there, Hammer. What does that mean exactly? It means this was a coordinated effort to get folks who are really Democrats to vote in a Republican primary to try to either sway it or make Donald Trump look bad. And again, not my words. You heard it right there from MSNBC and CNN said the same thing last night. This was a coordinated effort by the never-Trump folks to try to make him look vulnerable and he still won by 11%. Double-digit win last night. Does it seem like her function now is that of a Chris Christie? Just there to kind of attack her opponent? 
At yes. This point. I mean, that's that's her function right now. Her, she serves no other purpose. I mean, they should end it right now and get all the money and get all the uh, donors and uh, get all the Republicans behind Trump and start pointing out the Biden's flaws. But instead, we still have Nikki Haley, who's going to get beat in South Carolina, her home state. And uh, it's it's like she is she's like kind of a, a functional conduit from the Biden administration against Donald Trump. She's the mascot for the establishment. That's all she is. She's the official mascot for people like Adam Kenzinger and Paul Ryan. She is the one that might as well have like a big head on, like a college football mascot. That's what she represents. She's the fighting establishments of Nikki Haley University. Uh, go back to MSNBC for a moment, no, because please. you said South Carolina. That's coming up here in about a month. Nevada is the next stop, but Nikki Haley's basically already surrendered Nevada. That's going to go to Donald Trump. And then you've got South Carolina. It's a big one. Listen to MSNBC's uh, expert on data, a guy by the name of Steve Kornacki, break down what happened in New Hampshire and how that could give us an indication of what it's going to be like in South Carolina. If you apply the results I just showed you, you know, Trump's strength with Republicans, Haley's with independents and with Democrats. If you applied them to that 2000 demographic mix in South Carolina, the most non-Republican they've ever had, Trump would win the state by 15 points. So no matter what they do, wow. they're not going to win South Carolina. When you look at the people who were really Republicans, registered Republicans, Donald Trump is up by 30, 35 percent or more in some cases. The only fighting chance Nikki Haley has is to have Democrats act like they're Republicans and say, oh, I'm, I'm totally down the middle. I'm totally impartial. I'm undecided and vote in that primary. And it's not going to work. You know what would help her campaign if she kept on repeating the fact that she's a woman, <laughs> reminding everybody that she's a, a woman of uh, color. Right. Make sure you point that out. She's a brown woman, Nigel, because she's been hitting all of those things on the checklist ad nauseum for the last couple of weeks. So let's go to the speeches last night. Again, Nikki Haley was the first one out, and just when a little bit of the total was coming in, and she was only down. Seven percent, knowing that more Trump votes were coming in later. This was her message. Now, you've all heard the chatter among the political class. They're falling all over themselves, saying this race is over. This, this one is actually. Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. But she's trailing bigly in South Carolina. <laughs> Huge. Uh, so after that speech where Nikki Haley makes it sound like she had some amazing win last night, Donald Trump came on the stage and he noticed 
Nikki Haley's speech. But I said, wow, she's doing uh, like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. And, you know, last last week we had a little bit of a problem. And if you remember, Ron was very upset because she ran up and she pretended she won Iowa. And I looked around. I said, didn't she come in third? Yeah, she came in third. (laughs) And he mentioned Ron DeSantis right there. Now, mind you, DeSantis has dropped out and supported Donald Trump. He endorsed Donald Trump. Now, might not have been very enthusiastically, but he did say he is endorsing Donald Trump. Listen to this. It sounds like Trump takes a little shot at DeSantis last night. These are very dishonest people, and you're always fighting them. And just a little note to Nikki. She's not going to win. But if she did, she would be under investigation by those people in 15 minutes. And I could tell you five reasons why already. A little stuff that she doesn't want to talk about. But she will be under investigation within minutes. And so would Ron have been. But he decided to get out. He decided to get out. What did he say? Ron have been? Ron have been? <laughs> Was that a shot at DeSantis? Ron, well, he retired to Sanctimonious, so he's got to come up with something else now. Shouldn't it have been has been? Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe that's what, yeah. Ron, ha- Ron has been. I don't know. Should he still be taking shots at DeSantis? It's Trump. Whatever. The that's dude endorsed him. Like, he dropped out and endorsed him. It's Trump. That's all you got to say. It's Trump. I mean, I get going after Nikki Haley. She's still in the mix and she won't go away. She's like the house guest that just won't leave. (laughs) You have friends over. Maybe you're having a Super Bowl party. You got pizza. You got wings. You got drinks. Game's over. It's 11 o'clock. Nikki Haley's that one guest that won't go home. Uh, Here is (laughs) Donald Trump last night. Vivek Ramaswamy was with him last night. So was Tim Scott. So was Tim Scott. A number of others. Donald Trump wanted Vivek to come up and say some words, but he was very concerned Vivek might not <laughs> shut up. He promises to do, to do it in a minute or less, <laughs> but the only person more angry than, let's say me, but I don't get too angry, I get even. But a man that got to know her very well is Vivek. I said, Vivek. I said, Vivek. Go up and say a few words about it. He has to do it in one minute or less. Vivek, one minute or less. Go do it, Vivek. Don't you dare go over one minute. Keep it short, Vivek. Uh, And if you missed it last night, here is uh, basically Vivek Ramaswamy summed up. What we saw tonight is... America first, defeating America last. That's what we saw tonight. If you want America last, you can go to Joe Biden. You got another candidate still apparently in the Republican primary. Cut your Social Security to fork over more money to Ukraine so some kleptocrat can buy a bigger house. Go to Nikki Haley. But you know who delivered a double-digit victory tonight? It is a double-digit victory as of right now. Is this man, Donald J. Trump, the leader of America first? Now, I got I got 30 seconds left. I want to make this point. Okay? <laughs> we see right now with her continuing in this race is the ugly underbelly of American politics. 
where the mega donors are trying to do one thing when we the people say another. And it's up to us to we the people to at long last say hell no. We the people create a government that is accountable to us and we the people have said tonight we want again, as we did in Iowa, Donald J. Trump. Wrap it up, Vivek! Time's up! Vivek Ramaswamy doesn't shut up. <laughs> You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. So is it fan mail? So we got I have no is? idea what it is. I'm going to hold it up to the uh, YouTube camera here. It's just a white letter, two stamps on it. So somebody really wanted to make sure that it came to us. It looks pretty full. No return address. Yeah, and it's got tape over, like, somebody printed off the name, Hammer and Nigel, with the address. It's not a sticker, but they cut something out, like a collage, and they pasted it on here. (laughs) Now, I've watched enough real crime dramas to know this is what serial killers do. Yes. So, what do you think is in this? Let's go around the horn here before we open this up. Allison, I'm going to start with you, our producer, Allison. What do you think is in this letter? Uh, jury duty. Jury duty? <laughs> For both of us. For both of you. They want you together. I think it's from our pal, uh, Crappy McCrapperson. Oh, the guy that sent us the uh, portrait of Boss Hogsett and Joe Biden. Yes. I'm going to say it's just random nonsense, because sometimes we get random nonsense. But I'm not going to lie to you. Somebody on the YouTube chat has freaked me out. Uh, M-Dog says... What if it's a letter from your future self? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and now my mind is blown. Uh, run! Don't trust Allison. <laughs> All right. So here Let's we see go. What's in this thing? By the way, if any powder falls out, we're run! All, we're all in this thing together, right? Okay. Opening it up. Let's see what it is a here. Lot of, a lot of paper. A lot of. A lot of paper. A lot of staples. Um, it looks like it is propaganda about the mile square tax. <laughs> mile square tax propaganda. Well, that was deflating. Now, I, it, this was my Geraldo moment. We hyped this up as something that you, could you be just, a letter from prison or something. You just opened the safe and there is nothing in it. There's a beer bottle in there. Okay. Well, the mind, what they're talking about was the uh, you know the increase in in they don't call it a tax they call it a fee for mile square residents. Right, right, for, right. For security and cleanliness. And it looks like this is something that a concerned listener wants us to look into because they're naming names of people that might be shady. Um, so well, it's a lot of pages here. A lot of pages stapled onto this thing here. You know, I might have to go take a number two and <laughs> peruse that. But, uh, man, I really thought it would be something more. Like, like who is this? Uh, Jim on the YouTube chat. He was hoping it was weed. <laughs> do not send us weed to the station, please. Please, please do not. Uh, well, man, well, if you're new oh, to well. the YouTube chat, thank you for jumping in. I wish we had something better. You are Geraldo right there. You're Rachel Maddow with Trump's taxes. <laughs> We've got Trump's, Trump's taxes right here. <laughs> Although, I am pretty happy. One, I haven't been poisoned. And two, it yeah. isn't a photo of like Tony Katz's butthole or yeah, something. I, I so. didn't know. That's not something I want to see. Uh, we We've got a follow-up on that Applebee's story, Nige. 
Yeah, remember Applebee's, they had those date night passes where you could buy, uh, spend $200 and in 52 weeks a year, just go to Applebee's and get $30 off your It's like meal, a date like pass. Once, yeah. Once a week for 52 weeks, you can get 30 bucks off. Applebee's sold out of their date night passes within minutes. They were on sale for 200 bucks. They allowed the pass holder 52 dates a year and over uh, to cover a $30 value at Applebee's. So, I mean, there was big controversy. Like, the, they crashed the website. They sold out. And so, if you missed out, some competition, actually. Denny's came out with their own pass for people who went to Applebee's too much. Are you recently divorced because you actually took your wife on too many date nights at Applebee's? Come on. Try the Denny's new Divorce Dad Pass. They'll bring a (laughs) lukewarm cheeseburger and watered-down Coke to your new studio apartment. It pairs great with your new sofa bed combo and binge-watching seasons of The Wire. Will it be your weekend with the kids and you have an empty refrigerator? Don't worry. We'll send a couple of pancakes to keep them happy while you cry your way through another Moons Over My Hammy. The Denny's Divorce Dad Pass. Because ironically, your ex-wife is probably out with another guy at Applebee's. <laughs> Good Lord! My goodness! And by the way, if I ever got divorced, that would be me. The person they described in that <laughs> bit right there, that's me. Uh, didn't somebody complain to our boss about us oh, yeah, talking they, about this they story? They wrote an email. They wrote an email to our boss. My husband and I would visit our Apple, neighborhood Applebee's several times a week for many years. We will not be after this advertising scam. Your station advertised this promotion and believe you should research and report what a scam this was. We, we didn't we didn't report we just did the story it was a popular pop culture story and I said that I wasn't okay with it because it was in the segment are you okay with this I said that I wasn't because one it doesn't cover booze and number two it's just 30 bucks off and I could spend that on myself at Applebee's but apparently Applebee's running out or selling out of their two hundred dollar uh, date pass night date night pass is like ruining lives here. So we got a sternly worded email to our boss about it. Okay. I wish instead of this mile square stuff, they would have sent us that letter. (laughs) Reading that letter right here on the YouTube stream and on the radio would have been way more interesting. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel show. Oh, yeah. That's Hammer. My name is Nigel. We'll go to the hotline and bring on Congressman Jim Banks, represents Indiana's 3rd District. He's also been endorsed by Donald Trump because he's running for Senate after Mike Braun decided to run for governor of Indiana. Congressman, welcome to the show. Definitely hey, wanted to ask with you. Yeah, I want to ask you about your Senate run here in a minute, also the Supreme Court decision and what's going on on the southern border. But, you know, let's start with uh, Donald Trump, historic victory in Iowa. Double-digit win last night in New Hampshire. Big picture, what do you see happening happening with the uh, GOP moving forward? There's not a single state in the country that Donald Trump isn't going to win the the primary. He's the presumptive nominee already, and every dollar spent by Nikki Haley or any other opponent that is still out there is a dollar that's wasted and uh, frankly, is a dollar that should be spent to beat Joe Biden in November instead of trying to defeat uh, Donald Trump, who already has this thing wrapped up. Donald Trump was a great president, the strongest president of my lifetime. He's going to be a great president. Again, I'm very proud to endorse him. I'm very proud to have his endorsement. Look forward to fighting alongside him again for 
another four years and beat Joe Biden and these radical Democrats that are destroying our country. I mean, the, the Democrats is, are, are so hellbent on keeping our southern border wide open that they went to the Supreme Court to fight against Texas. Uh, and they, they won this, uh, this Supreme Court decision. I know you guys want to talk about it, but this just shows how dangerous, how radical, how out of touch these Democrats are that they want to keep the border wide open. Donald Trump will secure the border like he did before, and that's why we got to put him back in the White House. So I read earlier today that Governor Abbott of Texas is declaring an invasion under uh, an article and clause of the Constitution to defend uh, his state. Congressman, if you lived in Texas, if you and your wife and your family, you lived somewhere in Texas, specifically near the border, let's say you lived in Uvalde, Texas, what would you be doing to protect your family? Well, I'd be I, I would be arming up. I would be uh, I, I would do everything, everything that I need to do to protect my three daughters, and my wife and my, my family and my property. And that's what Governor Abbott, Abbott is saying is declaring the invasion. But listen, guys, I live in Indiana. We live in Indiana. And this affects us just as much as it affects Texas and any other state in the country. I mean, the, the fentanyl crisis, the drugs flown over the border, the crime that comes with it. Over 10 million illegals, more than the entire population of our great state, have come into this country illegally on Joe Biden's watch. The whole country is ravaged and affected by this. And Donald Trump has been talking about mass deportations when he's the president. And I fully support doing whatever it takes to send the illegals back uh, to where they came from. And, uh, and that, that's got to be a, a mission on day one of the, of the, of the second Trump administration. And when I'm in the United States Senate, I'm going to do everything I can to fight with this fight alongside this president, President Trump, uh, to secure the border, go back to the remain in Mexico policies, build the wall and uh, institute uh, policies that keep them out of our country. And and uh, it, it's just it's critical that we do that. But as the, the one year that Joe Biden has left, um, we can count on him continuing to do whatever he needs to do to keep our border wide open. And that's that's the difference between the two presidents. You mentioned uh, the Democrats, and, and I wanted to go back to the primaries here for just a second. I mean, who, it seems like uh, Nikki Haley's getting a lot of support from Democrats and Democratic donors, but it's, it's time for her to drop out. I mean, really, what is her function at this point? I feel like I've been kind of comparing her to Chris Christie. Uh, at this point, just she's there as a conduit to Joe Biden and his administration to con- Constantly attack Donald Trump, and it's really it's it's a futile effort, I believe. Yeah, I completely agree, and I've been saying this for a long time, I mean, for, really for months. I mean, it's a binary choice: you're either for Donald Trump or you're for Joe Biden. There, there's nobody else at this point that matters. It's a two-person race. Joe Biden's going to be the Democrat nominee. Donald Trump is our Republican nominee. And if you if you care deeply about this country, like I know that you guys do, like I do and believe that America is worth fighting for, we got to put Donald Trump back in the White House to save our country from the radical policies of, of the Biden administration and the, and the Democrats who are in Congress today who want to destroy this country. So that's the choice of it. You might not have liked his tweets. You might not like the way he talks. You might not have liked something that he did along the way before he was president, after he was president, anything in between. At this point, it's about saving our country. It's about rallying behind uh, a, a man who was a great president for four years in Donald Trump and getting him back in the White House because we don't have any time left. Uh, what these Democrats have done, the wide open border, 
uh, inflation. I just read a report that over half of the jobs that were that have been created since Joe Biden became president were government jobs that were paid that are funded by taxpayers like you and me that are government jobs. That's not the way to create and grow and sustain an economy. That's that's how you destroy an economy and 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 turn America into a socialist country like these Democrats want it to. That that's what they're trying to do to our country. So we got to fight back. It's a it's a binary choice. You're either for Trump or you're for Biden. And I'm proud to stand strong with my friend, uh, President Donald Trump. Congressman Jim Banks is our guest here on the Hammer and Nigel show. And I agree with you. Uh, America first really needs to be the rallying cry of the Republican Party. But, Congressman, you know as well as we do, there are some Republicans, the anti-Trump Republicans, that are still creating a little bit of an issue. What is it about the Republican Party right now that just seems so divided? Because as worthless as Joe Biden is, all the Democrats seem like they're kind of all singing the same song. I don't know if that's true about the Republican Party right now. Yeah, you know, it's always frustrating. There are always a, a few uh, anti-Trump Republicans in the party. But let me tell you this. I mean, the good news is that there are far fewer of them today than there were when I first got to Congress in 2017. And they've been dwindling along the way. A lot of retirements in Congress of people who are old school Republicans who have been replaced with uh, Republicans who come from the, the new the new GOP, the the, the 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 America First Republican Party, which is dominant in our party, which is why Donald Trump is winning. I mean, he won Iowa by more than any candidate has ever won Iowa before, and the same for New Hampshire. I mean, he's winning by record amounts because he represents what the grassroots of our party, what the what the uh, Republican primary voter is looking for, is someone who's going to put American workers first, secure the border, take on China and uh, return our country back to the great country that it was before the Democrats uh, uh, have gone at lengths to try to destroy it. So the America First um, uh, agenda that President Trump effectively fought for for four years is the party platform of the new Republican Party. And I, I would I would argue that uh, there are um, far fewer Republicans in our party today who who uh, haven't adopted that um, platform than what there were before. And that's that's the good news. I mean, the bad news is that you still have, you know, a, a small hand. I mean, in the House right now, we have a one-seat Republican majority. Steve Scalise is getting stem cell treatment for blood cancer. Uh, you had a, a couple of Republicans leave at the end of the year. We're down to a one-seat majority, and that's very frustrating. But we still have the majority, and we have to use the leverage of that majority to fight back to stop any bad thing that Joe Biden and Pelosi and the Democrats try to do over the next year to put us in a position so that Donald Trump and uh, those of us fighting alongside him can can do what we can to save the country. Congressman Jim Banks, uh, running for Senate this year, you have some competition. Uh, John Rust is running as a Republican um, against you competing for Senator Mike Braun's seat, which, you know, Mike Braun intending to give up as he campaigns for the uh, governor's chair. Um, his he's had an uphill battle um, with the Supreme Court and getting his name on the ballot and things like that. And I'm just wondering, and, and, and he's had some very negative things to say about you and your campaign. He's been flaming you uh, an awful lot. Um, the difference between your campaign and, and uh, John Rusk's campaign, what's what are well, the differences here? Yeah, the, I mean, we have three and a half months here to go. I've been running for the United States Senate for over a year. Indiana is a conservative state. We deserve a conservative fighter in the United States Senate representing the Hoosier state. And the, the big difference is that John Russ is a lifelong Democrat. I mean, he voted 
uh, Democrat uh, in Democrat primaries. He voted for Obama, Biden. He voted for Democrats for for decades. I am a conservative Republican. I've I have one of the most conservative track records and voting records of any member of Congress uh, scored by all of the conservative groups. I'm very proud of that pro-life, pro-Second Amendment, uh, supporting President Trump. That's why President Trump endorsed me. John Rust is a Democrat who had to sue the state of Indiana to strike down the laws to get his name on the ballot because of his lifelong Democrat voting record. The other, we don't know a whole lot about him. I've never met him. He's never been involved in the Republican Party. We don't know a whole lot about what his stances on issues are other than his Democrat voting record. But here's what I do know about him. He is very, very, very rich. His family company was just found guilty of price gouging. They own a big uh, mega egg operation. And the, a federal grand jury in Illinois just ruled that John Rust, uh, the chairman of the board of his family company, was price gouging the prices of eggs so that normal people, all of you listening, paid more for the cost of eggs because of John Rust's corrupt business practices. Now he's turn, he's worth million, tens and tens. Some people say he's worth over $100 million because of the, and, and the price gouging feeds into that. Now he's using those millions of dollars to try to buy a Senate seat in Indiana. Let me tell you guys, I'm not going to let him do it. I, I, I don't come from a rich family. I don't come from a, a wealthy family. I, I, my, dad, my dad is a retired factory worker. My mom is a cook in a nursing home. I grew up in a trailer park. I'm not going to let some rich guy who price gouged Hoosiers and took advantage, screwed over uh, families in my home state become our United States senator. I'm not going to let that happen. And that's why I'm going to fight back over the next three and a half months to make sure that this guy doesn't go get doesn't doesn't go anywhere near the United States Senate where he's going to screw Hoosiers in, in, in other ways, just like he did with his family business. So I take it I take it really seriously. I'm a I'm a lifelong proven conservative. I wore the uniform. I served in Afghanistan. I'm proud to have Donald Trump's support because he knows when I get to the Senate, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight with him. Um, uh, for this to save this great country. And John Russ is a lifelong Democrat that we know is going to do the opposite. Six days ago on Twitter, uh, you wrote John Rust is George Soros candidate for Indiana Senate. Uh, do you know if he's receiving Soros money? Well, George Soros doesn't help Republicans. Um, George Soros funds left wing groups like Common Cause which is, has gone to bat for John Russ to help to get him on the ballot. They filed an amicus brief with the Supreme Court defending John Russ's case. And, and you got to ask, your, you gotta, you gotta ask why. why. Why are George Soros-funded left-wing groups like Common Cause backing up John Russ to allow a, a lifelong Democrat to run in the Republican primary? It's because they, they, want, they want him elected uh, from Indiana to fight for their left-wing causes. So... To me, it's eye-opening to see those. Uh, the only the only two people who are funding John Rust in his effort to get on the ballot are John Rust himself, with money that he stole from all of you, according to a federal grand jury. He his his family company owes like fifty-four million dollar fine uh, for price gouging, the price of eggs, and George Soros is funding left-wing groups who are going to bat for him. So it's pretty clear to me that this guy doesn't represent Hoosier conservative values. Uh, it's it's exactly the opposite. Congressman Jim Banks, I know you got to run. You've got things to do. We always appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. You got it. Have a good day. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! 
now. My name is Jason Allen Hammer. Nigel Laskowski, right across from me. Hello. Allison Lemons, to my left. Now that we know everybody's full names around here, let's not waste any time. Let's check in with wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing Joe Biden. I got hairy legs. Happy birthday, Kajan, Kajan, Katanji drowned Jackson. <laughs> so last night, while Donald Trump was winning the New Hampshire primary by double digits, Joe Biden and his team, they were in campaign mode. They were getting ready to get their message out to the masses. They were out last night. They're out today, which means Joe Biden had to get that shot to get some energy to get ready, like Donald Trump talked about a few years ago. They give him a big fat shot in the ass, and he comes out, and for two hours, he's better than ever before. For two hours, he's better than ever before. So today, your president was meeting with the UAW, the auto workers. Now, they've had a little rough you know, a couple of years. There's been a lot of labor disputes, some job loss, you know, a lot of uh, negative energy coming out of the UAW. But usually, you can count on an endorsement to go to the Democrat candidate. Of course. Just the way it works. And yes, that's going to happen again. The UAW is going to endorse Joe Biden and his run for re-election. But what I wanted to do was jump in the old hot tub time machine And go back to 2019, because if you remember, in 2019, Joe Biden met with uh, the folks on the floor, you know, the folks like in the movie Gung Ho that have the hard hats on and they're down there (laughs) doing the work like George Went and Michael Keaton. (laughs) He met with this one guy and they're having a back and forth about labor and then the Second Amendment and it ultimately leads to Joe Biden calling a potential voter full of bleep and then telling his female PR rep to shush multiple times. I'd like you to explain how you plan to not only keep us working, but how you intend on getting the union vote when there is a large portion of the union workers that are gun enthusiasts and you are actively trying to diminish our Second Amendment right and take away our guns. You're full of shit. Now, shush. 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 I support the Second Amendment. Second Amendment, just like right now, if you yell fire, that's not free speech. And from the very beginning, I have a shotgun, I have a 20 gauge, a 12 gauge, my son's hunt. Guess what? You're not allowed to own any weapon. I'm not taking your gun away at all. You need 100 rounds. So when you were in the video, when you said you were going to take our guns, I did not say that. That's not true. I did not say that. It's a viral video. It's a viral video like the other ones are putting out that are simply a lie. Your voice, you said that you're taking the gun. Oh, he just clarified it. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Take the AR, the AR 14s. AR-14s? The AR-14s. Take them away. (laughs) My son's hunt. Even though one of them has a felony and he shouldn't have a firearm in the first place, my son's both hunt. Oh, wow. That's a a potential voter. That's a guy that's a... uh, 
works for the automaker that could be possibly voting for him. Right. You know? And it it makes me think about these endorsements. Like, okay, the top of the food chain of the UAW says, we're going to endorse Joe Biden. But now I'm wondering if there are a lot of the folks that work just every day on the floor that feel like they have to be in the union that don't plan on voting for Joe Biden. Good point. And I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback on that with this. Joe Biden ran on eliminating fossil fuels. How many jobs would be lost in this country if they were successful in eliminating uh, the ability for automakers to make gas-powered vehicles? Why do they keep endorsing Democrats? I mean, you see that even at the local level, though. The Indy Chamber of Commerce endorsed Joe Hogsett over his opponent, which was a billionaire, almost billionaire wealthy guy that did not allow businesses to get ransacked and looted. Now, if you're going to tell me you want to vote against Jefferson Shree for other reasons, trust me, I get that. But when the chamber endorsed Joe Hogsett, yeah. the same dude that wasn't around when all of their businesses were getting you know, windows broken and bricks thrown through and looted out... It's laughable. Can you just one more thing about that Biden audio, that interaction in 2019? Can you play just the beginning of that again? I'd like you to explain how you plan to not only keep us working, but how you intend on getting the union vote when there is a large portion of the union workers that are gun enthusiasts and you are actively trying to diminish our Second Amendment right and take away our gun. You're full of shit. All right, thank now, you. Now, shush. Shush. <laughs> I support. Well, that's when it was Joe Biden didn't take any crap from his staff. Right. Hey, shush, shush. He was telling his PR lady or whoever it was, hey, shush. He doesn't do that anymore, does he? No. I'm going to get in trouble. (laughs) They're going to yell at me. They told me. They told me no questions. Hey, shush. Now, listen to how Joe Biden sounded in that clip from 2019. Yeah. Listen to how he sounded. Yeah, he sounded... Coherent And how far he has declined cognitively to now, which takes us to an event that he had last night. Joe Biden was in Virginia, and it was supposed to be about, you know, restoring Roe and fighting for abortion rights. But the whole speech was a train wreck because, one, you had pro-Palestinian protesters interrupting him throughout the evening. This clip I'm about to play for you, you're going to hear one of them yell out, Genocide Joe, how many kids have you killed today? And then the Biden supporters try to drown it out with a four more years chant. And that happened 13 times in his speech in Virginia last night, being interrupted by the pro-Palestinian protesters. But what if I told you that wasn't his most embarrassing moment? (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, the return of the gibberish man. And now, time for another conversation with gibberish man. Gibberish man, he's the gibberish man. He talks in gibberish, gibberish man. Oh, you can't understand the gibberish man because he talks in gibberish, gibberish man. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome gibberish man. We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the men in America unless you want to get the benefit. Now, if you're wondering, 
where have you possibly heard that before? Yes. If you've seen the movie Liar Liar with Jim Carrey, play that clip side by side with that, okay. and I think it sounds identical. We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the men in America unless you want to get the benefit. <laughs> sounds the same to me. Uh, no, Jim Carrey sounds more coherent. <laughs> he does. He really does. All right, so let's just isolate that clip from Joe Biden, right. okay? We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the men in America unless you want to get the benefit. Now, I've got the official transcript <laughs> yes. from the White House. They provide transcripts of all of his speeches. I've given it to Allison. <laughs> now, does. Allison, I want you to read the official transcript as is. We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with uh, a minimum America unless you want to get the benefit. <laughs> Don't mess with uh, America unless you want to get the benefit. She sounded more coherent than Donald Trump. Now, yeah. I want you to read along with Joe Biden, Joe Biden this time, Allison, okay? Okay. We'll, we'll teach Donald, Donald Trump, Trump a valuable, valuable lesson. lesson. Don't, Don't mess with the American unless you want to get a benefit. Yeah. Well done, Allison. And this brings us to great moments in Joe Biden gibberish man history. Make no mistake. If you try anything to raise the cost of presenting jobs, I will veto it. But then... When I signed the bipartisan infrastructure again, we absolutely <laughs> determined, as Murphy and others are, to get this done. True and international suffered pressure. So the best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you, that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway. <laughs> Great moments in gibberish, man. History. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Rock and roll. Let's do it. How do we play? Is this anything? I'm going to run some stories by you, Nige. You break down all the information and give us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? Now, before we get to the point where I'm going to need a verdict, I'm going to ask you who's in the right here, because this is a two-part story. Okay. First of all, Who's in the right here? A guy in Miami went on a first date at a restaurant with a woman he had asked out on Tinder. She got mad and asked to split the bill. Then they continued to argue. Who, split the, who wants to split the she bill? She got angry that he asked to split the bill. Oh, he wanted to split the bill. Then they continued to argue about this in the car. <laughs> And lucky for all of us, he posted secretly recorded video of the exchanges on social media. Why are you splitting the bill? Well, I mean, it's our first date, so I thought we should maybe go hot. I can't believe you made us split the bill. I mean, you ordered an appetizer that I didn't even touch. Why do you think that I should okay, pay for Okay, but you asked me out. I know. But you ordered something you that I did. You asked me out. All right. I'll just take you home. All right. See ya. Bye. <laughs> Clearly, there's not going to be a second date. So you're asking me who's in the right here. Right. 
Are you well, team me, dude I, or I'm, team chick? No, no, no. I'm team chick. You don't, man, dudes, you don't ask a woman out on a date and then not pay for the whole thing. If it's at her request, she wants to go Dutch, then that has to be established beforehand. I think this guy is a weenie, and uh, it's kind of creepy that he recorded the whole thing. Now, what if it's a situation like happened in Atlanta? We had the story in Atlanta about the same type of deal, but the chick walked into the restaurant, ordered like three lobsters, like all <laughs> the, the fancy steaks, because she wanted to take some of it home. Does that warrant a conversation? That might be a different conversation if you're ordering, you know, four ribeyes at seventy-five dollars a piece. Excuse me. Well, I have, you know, t- you know, leftovers for the next week. Okay. Yeah, that might warrant a different conversation. But no, if you're a guy asking a babe out on a first date, I've never not either either paid or there's been some sort of agreement to go Dutch. Right. Now here's the update to the original story. After people made disagreeable comments about the original video, here's the follow-up to the guy who asked his Tinder date to split the bill. Does this help or hinder the situation? This is the follow-up video. What I don't understand is you ask for the date, so you pay. It's not like I'm forcing anybody to go on a date with me. Clearly, we are both 50-50 on the date. She wants to be there just as much as I want to be there. It's not like I'm forcing her to date me or go on a date with me. We both want to be there equally. Therefore, we should split the bill equally. I don't know. Have, have things changed, Allison? Am, am I crazy here? The guy asks the woman. I mean, he's got a point about, you know, she, nobody forced her to come on the date, but that's not the point. You, is, he, is he really sure it's uh, they equally want to be there? I mean, I don't know. I didn't, didn't, shout, didn't sound like she wanted to be there, but that was after he mentioned, yeah, uh, split the check, please. Could you imagine the look on this woman's face when the guy told the waiter, yeah, we'll take two checks? <laughs> I think he wanted to upset her. I think he was trying to test her or something. And then secretly recording is the big red flag, I think. Okay, you yeah. pass me that tinfoil hat okay, that's next to Nigel. There pass me is. that tinfoil hat. <laughs> Let me put it on. Let me put your... I think the whole thing is scripted. Yeah. Okay. I think both of these oh, were in, they were in on it together. I think they live together. They're making love right now. They <laughs> want it to go viral. This whole thing is scripted. I'm wearing the tinfoil hat. That tends to happen a lot on social media, does it not? And here we are talking about it. Yeah. I mean, they got what they wanted. They got viral clicks. They had, you know, my, trends. My suggestion would be to my son, if he when he gets old enough to ask a chick out on a date, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to go down to the village, go to Greek's Pizza or something like that. Here, Connor, here's an extra 20. Pay for the whole thing. Yes. So, right? Yeah, right? That would be my general suggestion is if you ask a girl out and she agrees, you're paying. And my go-to pickup line used to imply that anyway. Hey, sweet thing, can I buy you a fish sandwich? <laughs> I'm offering to buy because I'm a gentleman. Yes. Is this anything? A Wisconsin woman ended up giving birth to her child in the parking lot of McDonald's during a winter storm. Oh, my. Here they are, along with a firefighter who helped deliver the McBaby, talking about the crazy experience. (laughs) We're driving, then her mom is driving behind us, and we're probably five minutes down the road. Right here is where the baby was born, right in the trunk. She was crowning. They (laughs) showed up, and they ran in and kind of saved the day. It hit me, like, halfway through, and I just kind of laid my head back 
in the trunk and I was like, I'm having my baby at McDonald's. <laughs> this cannot be real. Unfortunately, in this field, we see a lot of people leaving this earth and it was nice to see the other side of it and help somebody deliver their child, which I think is super cool. Well, Allison had a good point before we did this segment is that you now you have to name your baby Ronald. You right? have to. It's not even Maybe like up for debate anymore. It has Ronald to be named McDonald. Ronald. Yes. Just think their name was McDonald. Their last name was McDonald. And you were born in the parking lot of a McDonald. <laughs> You'd have to get free food for life, right? I'm at least, I tell you what, I'm if if my wife is having uh, her kid in the McDonald's parking lot and it's bad out, I'm I'm definitely ordering to go. Sure. Yeah. Right? After everything's said and done, I'm getting the number one Big Mac meal. Right. And if you're this firefighter that helped deliver the baby here, you have to have a sense of humor. You know, when you're calming her down, here comes the McHead. I see the <laughs> McBody. Now we're going to cut the McCord. I see some Mick afterbirth. You put a Mick in front of everything just to kind of lighten the mood a little bit. Yes. Um, so in honor of this uh, child's official birthday happening at McDonald's, how about Greg? Great moments in birthday history. This is when AI Joe Biden called in to the Hammer and Nigel show to wish me a happy birthday. Hey, Jason, happy birthday, you fat sack of crap. Yeah, that's right, you tub of guts. I know who you are. I've heard your little radio show you do with that bloated drunk named Nigel. Anyway, Anyway. as you know, I've been keeping busy lately in between unintentional naps, falling off of bicycles, and nibbling on terrified babies like a duck going after kibble. Mm. Nummy, 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 nummy. I've got loving in my tummy. Oh, golly, I love babies. I'll bet you were a real butterball of a baby yourself, weren't you, Gugut? Maybe. What did your poor mother use for formula there, Flubber Blubber? A blend of powdered donuts and biz quick? Don't worry about it. Anyway, hope you have a nice time at whatever low-grade all-you-can-eat buffet you go to tonight to celebrate. I'm sure you can't wait to finish the show and run right over there so you can wrap your big, fat mouth around the soft-serve machine. Right, pork chop? Come on. And a digestion tip. While you're stuffing your fat face with popcorn shrimp, try not to think about Tony Katz bending over naked and okay. applying moisturizer to his tank. Oh. Now, why would oh. I do that? And my best to Matt Bear in traffic. What's with that guy's voice? Is that an act or is he not getting enough fiber in his diet? <laughs> Speaking of fiber, I got to go. AI Joe Biden on the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer, we have more news in the Delphi case. Um, Nothing to do with the suspect Richard Allen necessarily. Uh, Nothing to do with the victim's families. Uh, There's more drama with the defense attorneys. So the original attorneys, uh, Baldwin and Rossi, they were kicked off of the defense team because the judge, Fran Gull, thought they were incompetent. Well, last week, the Supreme Court said, you know what? We're going to allow those incompetent guys to come back. Yeah, Richard Allen, the suspect, um, wanted his old team back. Well, in between all of that happening, the court-appointed attorneys were two people named William Labardo and Robert Schremen. Well, now, 
the original attorneys are back. These two guys are like, you don't need us anymore. Can we leave? Can we get the hell out of here? <laughs> so they're requesting to be thrown off of the defense team here. And it sounds like the original guys, Rozzy and Baldwin, they don't have any need for these guys, but there's a process you have to go through. So now they are basically applying to be thrown off this case of being part of Richard Allen's defense team. I just want Richard Allen to have a trial, a fair trial. I want him uh, alive and healthy so he could uh, go to trial. And I want there to be some sort of justice for Libby and Abby. That's all I want here. And it's been a circus for the past few years with Richard Allen and his attorneys, the judge going back and forth. Now Richard Allen wants to go to a third uh, prison. You know, he was being treated poorly at one prison. The judge said, okay, we'll put you to another prison. And now they want to go to a third prison. I'm like, dude, enough with this crap. Let's get this trial started. But if you earned your check as a defense attorney, isn't chaos what you want? Like, you know, asking for everything, the worst they can do is tell you no. If your job, if your paycheck, the way you provided for your family was a defense attorney and you were assigned to Richard Allen, wouldn't you want as much chaos as possible? That's like their job to do this, right? Like, we don't have to like Richard Allen. We don't have to, you know, justify anything this guy is doing. But the defense attorneys, their job is to make sure their client is taken care of. And it sounds like their whole angle is create as much drama, as much chaos as possible. And if this trial is streamed or televised in any way, they want this to be a circus. They feel like that's the best way they can protect their client. Again, legal stuff, you don't have to like it, but I kind of see what they're trying to do. Speaking of legal stuff, crime, punishment, judges, legal stuff. A California woman who fell into what's being called a pot-fueled psychosis after hitting the bong and getting high stabbed her boyfriend 108 times before slicing her own neck trying to kill herself. Good lord. Now, the boyfriend died. She did not kill herself, but she is not going to serve any prison time as a result of this. The jurors found that the 32-year-old woman from Ventura County was guilty in December of involuntary manslaughter after she stabbed her boyfriend 108 times while high on cannabis was in some sort of psychosis, so she's not going to serve any jail time. Wait a minute. I thought pot was some sort of just benign drug that kind of gave you a mellow high, and you know it's been legalized in dozens of states. What are you talking about? Pot caused this this severe psychosis that that, uh, killed did he kill? He was killed? The guy yes. Was killed? Stabbed 108 times. Brutally yeah. murdered. Hmm. Here is Todd Pirro. He is a reporter for Fox News covering the story. The judge is sentencing 32-year-old Bryn Speecher to 100 hours of community service, two years probation, and the big one, no jail time. She broke down in tears after a jury convicted her of involuntary manslaughter last month. California judge claims she had no control over her actions after stabbing the victim, Chad O'Meal. 108 times. Psychiatrists in the case claim the incident was, quote, 100% caused by cannabis-induced psychosis 
after the 32-year-old took two hits from the victim's bong. She expressed remorse during closing statements, saying, quote, I wish I had known more about the dangers of marijuana. Had I known, I would never have smoked it that night or at all. Isn't this like, though... Boy, I didn't know I was that drunk. I didn't really mean to kill the passenger that was in my car by going 100 miles down the road and flipping and getting in an accident. I mean, is that the same excuse? Boy, I didn't know I was that drunk. And now, because of this ruling in California, like, how many people that smoke weed are going to say, well, I didn't mean to brutally murder my, you know, uh, relative or this guy that, you know, did this or that, but I was high. You you see, I'm telling you, you see these in the, these kinds of stories in the news a lot that involve cannabis and people that are freaking out and going into some sort of weird psychosis that they end up killing their kids they end up killing you know hurting themselves and you know wait a minute i thought pot was like supposed to be this just you know a mellow drug that doesn't cause any harm it helps me with my glycoma uh you know what i mean like that's kind of how it's built but there's been a lot of stories that involve cannabis and I see where you're going, and you're right. You know, pot can be a little more dangerous than people think. But the angle that I see this story as, this judge should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't get that either. How this- would you feel if you were the parents of this guy, this boyfriend, that was stabbed 108 times, brutally murdered, and the woman that did it is not going to serve jail time? Because she was high. She was having psychosis. It goes back to that other excuse of being drunk. Oh, wow. I didn't know I was that drunk. I didn't mean to drive headfirst into a oak tree and kill my passenger. Anybody that gets charged with murder in California should now just say, Yeah, you're right. Well, I was high. It Uh, was the psychosis of the weed. And based on what happened in this previous court instance, you have to let me go. That's a really dangerous thing to do right there. Go ahead, man. You get the names over there. So the way this is going to work is we have no idea what these people want to talk about. All we have is a name. We call it Caller Roulette. Just keep it short, keep it brief, and we'll see what you guys want to talk about. Lene, you are up first. Welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Lene, What up? What's happening? So, Rob always sounds like he's screaming and yelling all the time. He sounds painfully and eternally constipated. What's his deal? (laughs) We get this question a lot, Rob is very passionate. Rob Kendall from the Kendall and Casey Show, 9 to noon here on WIBC. Very passionate person. Right. And everything. I've known Rob for about 20 years. And the thing is, he's so tough on Republicans because Rob is very conservative. He hates it when people don't do things right. He expects the Democrats to do their things. But if you've got an R next to your name or you're supposed to be some sort of conservative and you act like a worm, that's what really puts him off the rails, so to speak. Thank you, Lene. David, you are next up. We're doing call a roulette. What do you want to talk about, David? Hey, I just wanted to talk about why they don't or why doesn't Donald Trump talk about Sleepy Joe anymore? He's abandoned that nickname. You know, that's interesting. We haven't heard any Sleepy Joe, Sleepy Joe he lately. He still has to talk about Nikki Haley. He's still got the GOP primary to worry about. That's why Nikki Haley needs to drop out, and so Donald Trump can concentrate solely on the Democrats and how they're destroying this country. Is a new nickname warranted since Sleepy oh, Joe didn't work maybe, last time? 
Well, are you saying it didn't work because it, he got he beat? Did, he got beat. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe you go back to the lab. And come up with <laughs> yeah, something else. Exactly. Uh, let's go to Vicky. Vicky, you are next up. We're doing caller roulette on the Hammer and Nigel show. What's up, Vicky? Hey guys, who do you think uh, Trump's running mate will be this year? That's a great question. Um, the list is so long. Everybody from Stefanik to I've heard Marsha Blackburn, Tennessee, uh, Vivek. Tim Scott. And what's going to be odd is I think it's going to be uh, someone of color or a woman. And I say that's odd because the Republicans are supposed to be the ones that laugh at identity politics. Yes. But every name that I'm hearing is either Tim Scott, Christy Nome, Vivek, Christy Nome, um, Elise Stefanik. Uh, These are the names that are being kicked around right now. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard is another rumor that was out there. Now, she would have to completely become a Republican. Uh, but I've, I've heard they Don Jr. talking about Tucker Carlson. You know how good for this show it would be if it was Trump and Tucker incredible. doing campaign events, just roasting people? It'd be like the comedy tour that Jeff Foxworthy went on with like Larry the Cable Guy <laughs> and all those guys. It'd be hilarious. Uh, we've got John standing by. John, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hey, boys. The cannabis psychosis, I think, is completely wrong. I think most people use the cannabis to keep from stabbing people 108 times. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, John. Because, listen, I'm not now, too proud the, to the, admit I've hit a bong or two in my younger years, and at no point did I think, I'm going to uh, stab someone 108 times. You go look at the stats, exactly. though. It's real. I'm going to get some I'm going to get some Twinkies, some <laughs> chips, bunions. Right. I mean, that's what the industry wants you to believe, and there is an element of that, but I truly believe that these stories about uh, cannabis psychosis and murders and, you know, freaking out, like that story we had in California, those, those happen. I used to go to my friend Rachel and Monica's house, and that was their real name, like the chicks from Friends, Friends? at Ball State, and we would get baked, eat food, and watch 90210 reruns. <laughs> that sounds like fun. It was. Uh, Jake, you are next up on the Hammer and Nigel show. Go ahead, Jake. Yeah, I just took issue with that elitist Jim Banks going off on John Russ. Okay. For one elitist rich guy who's lined his pockets with, with lobbyist money and voted to spend all of our money in taxes to who knows where to go off about some other rich guy he's not going to let them take advantage of Hoosiers and calling him a Democrat and we all know that that's a lie why don't you guys push back on well, him well I mean excuse me I his voting record speaks for himself he voted Democrat in previous but elections it's the same reason Mike Braun did he only had the primaries he voted in they only had look kind of I have no issue I have no issue with getting rust on the ballot I think he should be on the ballot no question um, I agree. I, I think it should be left for the Hoosier voters to decide. Right. And listen, we've had some pretty fair coverage here. Our newsroom yeah, and indie politics. John Rust has had a platform on this station for months. Right. So don't give us the you didn't push back stuff. Uh, let's go to Jesse. Jesse, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. How you doing? Hey, uh, I've got a harebrained idea of taking all the NRA members having them donate $1,000, buy a munitions factory, and then sell at cost to the members um, try to recoup their $1,000 in ammunition, make it more affordable. What's the odds of Zero. All right, thank you for all of your calls. That's Caller Roulette. Top stories next. 
Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there while you were watching the Pacers in person at Cambridge last night with your son. I was... I was watching the uh, the New Hampshire primary. I was doing the job so you wouldn't have to, people. Uh, CNN indicating that 70% of Nikki Haley's votes were from undeclared voters in the, quote, GOP primary. What do you think of that? Boy, you could put some air quotes on a number of things there. Undeclared or <laughs> GOP. Either one of them. Because the way things work in New Hampshire, um, you could be an undecided. You could be an independent. And say that you're a Republican and vote in the primary. And that's what happened yesterday. And Nikki Haley still lost by double digits. So you had folks openly admitting on camera to MSNBC, to CNN, that, yeah, we're probably going to vote for Joe Biden, but we wanted to support Nikki Haley in the GOP primary. And Nikki Haley still had her doors blown off. Take a listen to this. This is from MSNBC last night. They're talking about what the exit polling showed them. We asked folks coming into the polls, do you identify as a Republican? Do you identify as a a Democrat? Or do you identify as an independent? And here's what we found in this exit poll so far. And I think this jumps right out at you. A minority of voters in this first wave of the exit poll in the Republican primary identify as Republicans. A majority, (laughs) 53%, identify as either independents, 45%, or... And this is a high number historically. 8% identify as Democrats. For some context here, in 2016, the last competitive Republican primary, presidential primary in New Hampshire, the electorate was 55% Republican. It was 42% independent, and it was 3% Democratic. Mm. So in this initial wave, you're seeing some significant differences from 2016. A lot of numbers being thrown at you there. True, but this shows it's a coordinated attack against those who do not want Donald Trump to be the nominee. No doubt in my mind that uh, Nikki Haley is is just another version of Chris Christie. Her only function uh, is to attack Trump and uh, be a conduit for the Biden administration. And look at the people that carry the water for Nikki Haley. Are these the kind of people that you're looking to lead the country You want these establishment, wishy-washy, take your tax dollars and spend it overseas, folks? Or do you want somebody that's America first? And America first frightens the hell out of the establishment. And that's what we're learning more and more primary after primary when people try to sabotage Donald Trump. Now, last night, as the votes started to come in, we kind of knew what would happen. I think the race was called at, like, what, 8.30, Yeah, Nige? around then. Somewhere around then. You knew Donald Trump was probably going to win by at least 10%. We thought it'd be way higher. We set the line at 20 and a half, but we didn't <laughs> anticipate 70% of Nikki right. Haley's votes coming from the left. <laughs> and she still got beat. But Nikki Haley goes out there. You know, when early votes are coming in, and she's only down seven percentage points. So she picks that specific time where it doesn't look too bad on the ticker, and she kind of does a half-ass victory speech. Now, you've all heard the chatter among the political class. They're falling all over themselves, saying this race is over. It's not over! 
And you are the political class, lady. Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. seen the polling in South Carolina? She's down by 30, 35%. And by the way, if I was in Nevada, I'd be pissed. Nevada's next, not North South Carolina. Nikki Haley has waved the white flag on Nevada, though. She said she's not campaigning there. She's pulled all the staff from there. Trump even talked about that last night. Looks like we've already won Nevada. But she came out before Trump, when she was only down seven percentage points. Yeah, gave a victory speech. <laughs> right. Well, that was noticed by one Donald Trump. Trump. I find in life you can't let people get away with bullshit, okay? You can't. <laughs> you just can't do that. And when I watched her in the fancy dress, there it, is. it probably wasn't so fancy. <laughs> what? Come up, I said, what's she doing? We won. That was just a part of it. Like I was at the game, and you sent me yeah. a text message of Donald Trump doing his Comedy Central roast on Nikki Haley. The lady in the fancy dress. Here's a little more. But I said, wow, she's doing uh, like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. And, you know, last, last week we had yeah. a little bit of a problem. And if you remember, Ron was very upset because she ran up and she... Pretended she won Iowa. And I looked around. I said, didn't she come in third? Yeah, she came in third. <laughs> a little bit of Donald yep. Trump last it night. It was the Comedy Central roast of Nikki Haley there, the victory speech by Donald Trump. So while you were watching the coverage last night, Nige, answer this question for me. Who was more upset about the results coming in, Nikki Haley or Rachel Maddow on MSNBC? Well, I think Rachel Maddow definitely was upset, but just just because she got called out the last time and cut off his victory speech in Iowa, she had to run at this time. And she also looks identical to Milwaukee Brewers legend Ryan Braun. <laughs> yeah. I've said this for a long time. She looks just like Ryan Braun. Um, here is Rachel Maddow last night ripping Trump supporters with her usual brand of bull crap and loaded sensationalism. What he's offering. If you pick me, that'll be the end of politics. And you won't have to deal with politics anymore. You won't have to deal with contested elections. You won't have to deal with contests or divisions when it comes to power, you'll have a strongman leader and I'll just do what I want. And won't that be a lot simpler? Um, that's what he's offering. That that strongman model is what the Republican base is enthused about. And that is something that sets him apart from every other Republican candidate. And I think that we're naive to think that he's tricking people into picking him and then mm. surprise, he's going to act like a dictator. What he's offering is strongman leadership, the end of politics, wow. the end of elections. The end of elections. The end of politics. How many times have we heard that? I mean, Joe Biden is clearly weaponized at the DOJ to go after his 
political opponent, and she's sitting here talking about how Donald Trump is a dic- acting like a dictator. He's only got one term left, even if he wins. He's got four years left. What What are you so scared of, Ryan Braun? Stop taking steroids, Ryan Braun. Uh, so while that was happening on MSNBC, there was a little of that happening on Fox News, because they've got their uh, token liberal host, Jessica Tarloff. You see her on The Five, on five. sometimes. Yeah. Uh, she's the token liberal they have. She was mouthing off about Donald Trump and how he's too you know, divisive, he's too narcissistic. Well, that rubbed Charles Payne the wrong way. Listen, I think it's worse with Biden calling MAGA. Biden's anger and vitriol and hatred for MAGA is far more yeah. worse than President Trump's individual battles with someone who crosses him. That is something that is really detrimental to this country, that the president of the United States despises half of the United States. President Biden, I I said earlier today, I just for about a week ago, I had a segment coming up, so I I Googled Biden hates MAGA. Nothing but articles after articles after articles. He has expressed hatred for half of the country. Who's writing those articles? It doesn't matter. And it's not. Because because the bottom line is he says it. He has vitriol for them. And so does MSNBC, and so does CNN, and so does the New York Times. They have vitriol for half of the nation. They don't look at them like fellow Americans, and it's unfortunate. They try to paint them as racist. All the things that they do to their fellow Americans who simply want a safe home, a safe community, for their children to have prosperity, they want the same thing, but they demean them all the time. Charles Payne bringing the heat right to Jessica Tarloff's face. Incredible. Are you okay? Everything's gonna be okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty f***ing far from okay. Oh. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel. Okay! Oh man, Hammer, check this chick out. This young uh, Walmart employee goes off on the older generations for wrecking the economy and... Making it so she can't survive working 40 hours a week. Here's Kaylin talking about her current situation. I work five days out of the week, 40 hours a week. I do not make enough to live on my own. 20 years ago when you were getting started, you could live on your own. 20 years ago when you first started, you were able to do everything that I am now struggling to do. You can sit here and you can call Gen Z lazy all you want, but I've been working my tail end off just to barely make it by. And respectfully, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. Are you okay with this uh, young Walmart employee's rant? Remind me again where she works. Walmart. Okay, I think we've figured out the situation here. I think we've figured out the problem. You know, if you can't live on your own working 40 hours a week at Walmart, then maybe, and I'm just spitballing here, maybe you should find another job. Or, welcome to the rest of the world where elections have consequences. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to Bidenomics. Right. It wasn't just Joe Biden. It wasn't just Donald Trump. But the people you elect to put in charge, where wherever you live affect your economy, whether it's local taxes. If you live in California, Gavin is taking a big chunk of your money. And when you look at the higher level of government, Bidenomics, it's doing its thing like Hulkamania, running wild right now. So if you're somebody that feels like, wah, I can't you know, survive on 40 hours working at Walmart, wah, you got a couple options. Number one, don't work at Walmart anymore, find a higher paying job. Or number two, Two, go to hell. 
<laughs> thought maybe, just maybe, you were going to say, find a second job. But that response doesn't surprise me one bit. <laughs> Which brings us to great moments okay. in Walmart history. Shortly after uh, Jeffrey Epstein was found dead oh, in his no. jail cell, and the internet went ablaze with people thinking that maybe the Clinton family had something to do with it. Somebody <laughs> had a prank at the Walmart PA where they were looking for somebody by the name of Clinton Killed Depstein. Good afternoon, Walmart customers. If I may have your attention, please. Will Mr. Clinton kill Depstein? Meet your party at the grocery entrance. Mr. Clinton kill Depstein. You said it twice. <laughs> Great moment in Walmart history. Uh, maybe this was the woman we talked about earlier. Here's somebody that quit over the Walmart PA. Attention, Walmart shoppers and associates. My name is Beth from Electronics. I've been working at Walmart for almost five years, and I can say that everyone here is overworked and underpaid. We're told that we're replaceable. This company treats their elderly associates like to Jared, our store manager, you're a pervert. <laughs> pervert. Pervert. And last but not least, great moments in Walmart history. My hometown Walmart, the Beach Grove Walmart. It's been the punchline of many jokes. But you and I decided to dive a little bit deeper wow. into the world-famous Walmart fight. We put together one of those ESPN documentaries called 30 for 30. What if I told you that a trip to the Beach Grove Walmart would include kids hitting people with shampoo bottles? As I was standing there in the boxed wine aisle getting ready to buy some pork fritters, I heard a commotion. I just knew when I saw a scooter pull up and F-bombs flying around. Something very classy was about to take place. When I saw a woman stretchy pants, fast food, grease stains all over her shirt, start beating up another woman in a Walmart scooter in Beach Grove. I, I was shocked, stunned. I didn't know what to think. And then I remembered that Jason Hammer is from Beach Grove. And it all made sense. A brand new 30 for 30. The Beach Grove Walmart fight, directed by Hammer and Nigel. I forgot about that. I hadn't heard that in years. Wow. Uh, and I believe one of those women in, involved in that fight kind of like turned her life around and got her life together. Well, well there's really nowhere to go but up. <laughs> After that. All right. How about uh, Allison, a little mood music here? survey shows one in five people will buy something for themselves if they don't get anything for Valentine's Day. Are you okay with this? Yeah, I'm fine with this because Valentine's Day is such a fraud. Listen, this is coming from somebody who's got a great marriage. I've been married 22 years. Flame's still there. We're all in. But my wife and I both agree. This is just a hallmark bullcrap holiday where it feels forced. You should love your spouse every day. Before we had kids, my wife and I would go out to dinner. 
it wouldn't be a big thing. But now Valentine's Day is about the kids. Like we give them, you know, yeah. like some chocolate baskets and stuff like that. You know and, I mean? and that's fine. That's fine. But like when February 14th rolls around, it's in the middle of the week this year. I can't remember exactly which day. It's like a Wednesday or a Thursday or something. Is your wife going to be really upset that you don't have flowers no. and candy? No, she'd be mad at me for spending the money to have those flowers <laughs> right. delivered. Right. That's how my wife is, too. And I think those chicks that get all wrapped up into Valentine, they're a pain in the ass, man. <laughs> um, but I will say this. If you're looking to buy yourself a card for Valentine's Day, uh, there's a new line of Hammer and Nigel oh. Valentine's Day cards available. Every year here at Hallmark, we're forced to reject thousands of less than quality Valentine's Day cards. This Valentine's Day, please try to ignore the sign that says Predator taped to my door. Some oh. simply don't meet the high standards of a quality greeting card company. I wanted to share the love we both found, so please don't think I'm a jerk, but I took your panties and passed them around to all of my friends at work. But now, for a limited time only, you can purchase these factory second greeting cards for up to 50% off. When we're making love, it's really quite nice. I guess because you're charging me one half the price. This year, oh. we're giving you the best Valentine's Day gift of all. A huge savings right here. I think I love you mostly because I secretly sleep with your sister. I really can't tell you which one it was, but one of you gave me a blister. Okay, come on. Come on. We got time for one more here? Let's do one more. A proud California woman broke a world record for the world's longest arm hair. Yeah! Uh, puke. This lady <laughs> in California just broke the record. Again, the world's longest arm hair. She got a single hair on her right arm that clocked in at 7.24 inches. Are you okay with this? So, I want you to think about how long 7.24 inches is. Okay, so you know, measure out an inch with your fingers right now, yeah. and then do that seven times. It's, not, I mean, it's bigger than the palm of my hand. Imagine that long of a hair hanging off some chick's arm. So, let me ask you a couple questions here, I guarantee if you showed a picture of it to me right now, I'd puke. I do not have a picture. Thank God. So, you're in luck. What if it was the most smoke show beautiful woman in the world? What if this were Kate Upton? And everything's looking great, but she's got that long of an arm hair. (laughs) Is that a deal breaker for you? And she has it on purpose? Or maybe she just doesn't notice it? Either way. Um, No, I'm requiring that she cuts that off before you're not going to do the thing with Kate Upton, you know, in her Sports Illustrated swimsuit I, I cover know. I outfit. I understand. I understand where you're going. If she has that arm no, in her hair. I, I can't do it. Has that hair on her arm. All right. So, here's the follow-up question. Who's more of a keeper? The woman with the world's largest hair on her arm <laughs> or the woman who set the decibels world record for loudest belch? It's 107.3. Yeah! Now that's a keeper right there. That's the keeper? (laughs) All right. The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer over there with a special guest on the hotline. He is an investigative reporter for the Daily Signal. He also has a nightly program, the Tony Kennett Cast, 7 o'clock every Monday through Friday, right after our show here at 93 WIBC. Tony Kennett, how are you? 
I'm doing stellar, gentlemen. How are you? Good, man. Good. So, I want to get your thoughts on New Hampshire last night. We had set a point spread for a margin of victory. And even though we were a little too high on the actual margin of victory. Uh, what was it? What were we saying? 20? We set the line at 20 and a half. Okay. And it was only oh, 11. 11. Well, still double digits. Because there was an insane amount of quote unquote non Republicans that voted in this New Hampshire primary. And Donald Trump still won by double digits, Tony. What do you take away from last night? Well, first of all, I take away two things. Number one, I'm laughing and just uncontrollably because even with all of the independents and the Democrats who very openly told CNN, MSNBC, uh, some of the Wall Street journalist individuals who were there polling uh, that they were voting for Nikki Haley, though they weren't Republicans, it was not enough to beat Donald Trump. <laughs> right. It's, this isn't some conspiracy theory that Nigel and I you know, have been talking about. This was on camera. These people admitted as such to CNN and MSNBC. And I already had a call with the county GOP head this morning in which he tried to say, well, she still has a fighting chance. And I called him stupid because that's a very <laughs> stupid thing to say. Nikki Haley has no fighting chance. She's unpopular with the GOP. She's unpopular for one reason. She appears very slimy and sleazy. And in an age where Republicans are tired of being lectured about, oh, you're so racist. Oh, you're so insert whatever you want here. Phobic. They're tired of her getting in front of crowds and going, when I was little, I was made fun of every day because I was neither white nor black. I was brown. And then you look at her child photos and she looks like every like TV sitcom person from the 80s. Right. Like, like, so it's like Tiffany Amber tan. Right. It looks like she could have been a Saved by the Bell extra. Yes, it, that's exactly what came to my mind. I'm, I'm expecting her to waltz down the stair, point at the camera, and go, stupid, in an anti-drug PSA. <laughs> like, no, Republicans just don't want that. And they also don't want corporate subsidies out the butt to companies that are tickling the chin of China. That's not what people are looking for, and that's what she has come to embody. People think Trump is the incumbent. So that's the takeaway from New Hampshire. The primary's over. I will say this for, for Hammer. Allison told me about 15 minutes before we went on the air uh, for my show last night that you said you were going to call it by 8.30. I beat you to the punch, and I called it at 7.15. So <laughs> you can go ahead and send royalties to my house in Greenfield. I'll be waiting. What did you think of when you saw the, uh, the quote, lady in the fancy dress uh, get up and say, well, you know, uh, I'm not leaving. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere at this point. Nikki Hayes. Haley truly is like the Chris Christie of this uh, this race, is it? Her her only function is to be a conduit for Joe Biden and the Democrats, and to go against Trump. I got to tell you, I uh, there, there, this is a rare moment, but there are a few times when I genuinely agree with off-the-cuff Donald Trump just to the media interview. And that was, uh, I cannot remember which outlet, forgive me, but someone asked Trump last night when he was outside one of the polling places in New Hampshire, you know, do you think Nikki Haley should stay in? And Trump goes, I think she can do whatever the heck she wants. I don't care. <laughs> and I think Saw that's that. the take. It just makes him look better. Every time she gets up and says the, the thing about how, oh, it's so hard being brown, in America, or I'm going to make people on social media get licenses in order to get on social media, or I'm going to give land to China, that makes Trump look just that much better. So, by all means. But aren't we talking about the big picture, though? Like, if you're somebody that 
desperately wants a change in leadership at the White House. Wouldn't it be refreshing to have all of this crap behind us now, have the candidate, and start going all in on Joe Biden and some of these swing states? Well, as I've said, and as you guys have said, I mean, the primary is over. There are very few Americans, if any at all. I mean, even individuals that are in the major leadership positions in South Carolina are coming out and saying, look, primary is over. Haley has no chance of winning South Carolina. That's the state she was the former governor of. So the first female, the first female governor of South Carolina. First female brown governor. Let's if we're going to do this, let's do it right. <laughs> First female brown governor who has five Indians on her mother's side, four black people on her father. You got to guys get the whole DEI yeah. framework up. All of the struggles anyone's ever had all lined up. Yeah, so I mean instead of her dropping out, now Trump has to go to Nevada. He has to go to South Carolina when he could be in in Pittsburgh right now or or one of these other big states that are very important. I mean, I, I guess, but as far as the mainline campaigning for the general, my main argument is this. The people who are going to come out and vote for Trump already know they're coming out to vote for Trump. This election is all about the Democrats getting people to come vote for Joe Biden. Everyone is coming to vote for Trump. We're already registered. Everybody's already ready to go. You're not going to get someone who wanders into a Trump rally who doesn't know if they're voting for Trump. <laughs> what? In 2009, that, that is, this isn't how that works anymore. So, what do you make of the way that the media apparatus has been covering, so far, the Iowa and New Hampshire elections? Because twice now, Rachel Maddow has almost been in tears. <laughs> there's there's an episode of The Office where Michael makes some like bad decisions, like things that he wanted for The Office. And then he suddenly has to act like he never wanted those things at all. And that's what the media is doing. The media wanted Trump to be the nominee because they thought this guy is the easiest target. Only now what they have done is they have created their own Frankenstein and what looks like is going to be their own destruction by propping Trump up again against Joe Biden. This time the tables are flipped and uh it looks like Biden has been so bad, everyone's reminiscing about Trump, and the media is like, oh, God, what have we done? What have we done? What have we done? And seeing Joy Reid and Rachel Maddow cry on national television, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just a Tuesday well spent, gentlemen. But the, the strategy from corporate mainstream media is to shame the Trump voter, not only going after Donald Trump, but even more so talking about how extremists his voters are. Is that a good strategy? It, no, it's not a good strategy. It didn't work last time. But actually, I have a question for you guys, because you guys have been cataloging all of the stupid stuff that Biden has said as he's gotten more aggressive in his dementia. What do you guys think now that we're looking at um, a media who's trying to actually, oh, it's Trump who has dementia, not Biden? Oh, yeah. I mean, are, are, is anyone buying that? That, to me, is a Hail Mary. That's what happens when it's fourth yep. and uh, 25. You've got the ball in your own territory. Nothing's going right. So might as well just chuck it down the field and hope for a miracle. You're going to need a lot more than Rudy to get that ball across. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, Tony Kennett from the Tony Kennett cast, 7 o'clock here at 93 WIBC. He's our guest. All right, let's switch gears to something that is totally in your wheelhouse, education in Indiana. And we're going to go to Butler University. You have been following a story with Butler University for a while. Now, for those who may be tuning in for the very first time, start from the beginning. What happened at Butler and what's the update? 
No problem. Three days after Hamas massacred uh, over a thousand Israeli citizens in rape in brutal fashion, the Students for Justice in Palestine chapter at Butler, the same organization that around in other universities has been banned for uh, harassment, for very serious violence threats, not to mention uh, racial discrimination and vandalism. Um, this chapter decided to host a rally that we at WIBC and the Daily Signal covered live on Monument Circle. At this rally, the Students for Justice in Palestine chapter was chanting things like, not a victim, not a crime, which is saying that because they don't see Israel as a victim, therefore it wasn't a crime for all of that raping and murdering that Hamas did. I remember that so, because you were filling in for Nigel that day, Tony, and you and I both walked downstairs, walked out on Monument Circle, and we witnessed it with our own eyes. I'll never forget the look on your face when they screamed that loud and you just looked at me and was like, well, damn. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> it was real. that insane. Right. And so uh, the Butler College Republican chapter condemned it. That's it. They said, hey, look, this vi- as an official student event for Butler University from an official student organization, that violates Butler's non-discrimination policy. Therefore, they should lose their special student organization status. And instead of Butler investigating the Students for Justice in Palestine, Azure Swinford, who is one of their DEI coordinators and their Title IX coordinators, investigated the college Republicans <laughs> for complaining about it. And that investigation lasted three whole months with nothing, and I mean no kind of an update, just vague threats that Butler may get a warning, maybe they'll get kicked out of campus, because apparently that insinuated violence towards Palestinian wow. students. So that Unbelievable. was the story to this whole thing. Yeah. So what's the update here? The update is that Butler, after some pressure from yours truly at the Daily Signal and WIBC, as well as uh, a letter from Representative Jim Banks from the Education Committee in the House saying, uh, you receive federal money, you probably should divulge some of this investigation that sounds unethical. The Butler University DEI office has suddenly announced that they are dropping all of the charges against college Republicans because (laughs) there was no evidence for an investigation in the first place. Well, what about the other group? That was changing those awful things. Well, see, that's a private matter. And as the director oh. told me, we don't actually give details on really private matters. Oh, you know, anti-Semitism is kind of a personal issue, you know, so who cares about the Jews or whatever? And br- big picture, bringing this back to Donald Trump, this is the type of stuff why people, specifically Republicans and conservatives, they want a fighter. They want somebody to counterpunch back and say, no, you're not going to bully us and talk crap about us, we're going to fight back here. That's what's happening right now with the conservative base in this country. And this is one of the reasons that I hear a lot of people, including some of our friends, who are really upset that the Republican Party has this mindset of revenge. They say, how could Republicans want revenge? And they clutch all of their pearls. And they're like, that's just terrible. How We need to be stoic and, and kind and sweet. And uh, what they forget is that the common American, who has been crapped on for decades, Thank you. being painted as the picture of Hitler, the picture of the devil, whatever person we can paint them as, they're tired of it. Right. And so, yeah, they want a guy who's going to get in there and throw some punches because they see punches to be thrown. In the summer 
summer of love in 2020, everything was my fault because I'm a pasty white dude. I didn't break any laws. I was sitting at home gambling on sports. But yet, people wanted people like us to apologize. And I think there's a large amount of people, Tony, that are just done with that crap. That's why I love when yeah, in, journalists from the Indianapolis Star are losing their jobs. You know, the same journalists who said those things about you and about me, that we were terrible, horrible, no good white supremacists because we were white. Um, and the L.A. Times and other newspapers around the country, they're losing their jobs now, and they're upset that guys like us are laughing about it. Oh, I'm sorry. So you're allowed to call me the spawn of Satan, and then when you lose your job for being bad at it, I'm suddenly supposed to feel bad for you? No, learn to code, I think is the term you use. <laughs> Learn to code. All right. What is coming up on your big show tonight, Tony? Well, we're going to take a look at the uh, Dementia Dan, excuse me, uh, President Biden and uh, his embarrassing performance in Virginia last night because he participated in some election denialism, don't you know? And there was a little bit of a gibberish man going on, too. But <laughs> if you watch the media, they're going to tell you that Donald yeah. Trump and Joe Biden are the same person right now, cognitively. Yeah, yeah, bring the popcorn tonight. We're going to go through it frame by frame. That is Tony Kennett, the Tony Kennett cast, every Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock, right after our show here at 93 WIBC. You can also check out his work at The Daily Signal. Tonus, keep fighting the fight, man. Keep putting the, uh, the heat to these yeah, people man. trying to do some wrong stuff. We appreciate it. They keep messing up. We keep laughing. There you go. That's Tony Kennett of the Tony Kennett cast. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show.